been spending a lot of time uh, going through Acts 2, 42 through 47. Uh, really, a journey the elders have been on of really evaluating what's the church called to be according to the word. Not according to what we see around us, but according to the word. And how are we doing with that? Um, and so we spent a lot of time going through this. And um, I want to spend time uh, focusing, starting in verse 43, Acts 2.43 this morning is our, is our launching pad. But I actually want to read all of Acts 2.42 through 47 just to give us, uh, a little, catch us up on where we've been and also uh, a little bit of a broader understanding of what's going on. Uh, of the snapshot of the church. Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who, were belie all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, had, Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So last week I was talking about the awe of the Lord and the Lord giving us a fresh sense of his awe and, and who he is. And the, the latter part of this gives another statement of something that we see taking place in, in the church as it was established. And it says, um, and wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So I was, I was thinking about that this week. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I love some good signs and wonders. I mean, I assume you do too, right? I mean, right? And so <laughs> one person likes signs and wonders, right? Um, so I was thinking, man... That is so true. What a, what a gift that God has given the church is to not just walk in the natural, but to walk in the supernatural. That he has uh, given us and desires us to walk in signs and wonders, to testify to the lordship and the power of King Jesus. That he's not dead, but he's alive. That he's reigning and ruling, that he's pushing back darkness, that his kingdom is advancing, that he's given us signs and, and wonders. And um, I was like, wow, that's, that's a miracle. I started thinking about raising the dead and healing the sick and all the amazing things that the Lord still does today. Um, and not just like overseas, but here too. Um, I was like, man, that's awesome. That's so miraculous. And then the Lord goes, yeah, 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 it's, that's cool and all. That's, that's miraculous. But you want to know what else is miraculous? A group of people that are devoted to my word, even when their emotions and circumstances don't line up with the truth of the word and they choose to stand on the word. What's also a miracle is when we continue to choose to be devoted to the fellowship, even when it's hard, and even when people offend us, or even people are just hard to love, or they're irritating or annoying, right? That we choose to say, I'm devoted to the fellowship. It's also a miracle when we break bread together to get into deeper fellowship with each other, to know and be known. It's a miracle that we'd even risk allowing people to know our junk in our lives. That we would, it's a miracle that someone could share their junk with us and then we would not uh, return that, that news with, instead of guilt and condemnation, we would extend grace and compassion. That's a miracle of the Lord. It's a miracle of the Lord that we would continue to persist in prayer. It's a miracle that as we pray, God reveals his heart to us. It's a miracle that in prayer, that we continue to persist and God answers our prayer. Like that, that's, that's a miracle. It's a miracle 
in some of the other things that we even talked about yet that we see later on in the book of Acts, it's a miracle that uh, the church can exist and not have a single need. It can, it's a miracle that uh, everyone can use their gifts. It's a miracle that we all get to participate in this life together. It's a, it's a miracle that we can have this mentality, as it says in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, that they were of one accord, this unity. They could, it's a miracle that they could have this attitude that nothing that they had was their own but belonged to the Lord and to be used for the sake of the body of Christ together. That is not possible in the flesh. It's a miracle of the Lord. Because listen, I don't know about you, but it's fine for me to be devoted to the word until all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, but my, my feelings are this way, it doesn't line up with the word, and it's easy for me to rely on my feelings rather than the truth of the word. I love the idea, I love the concept of being devoted to fellowship until I am with you all, right? <laughs> then, you, you know, that's when it gets tough. And in my flesh, it's like, uh, I'm just going to, you know, kind of slide out of here. It's only by the power of the Spirit that we get to do anything the church is called to do. Like, okay, the, the Lord was reminding me this week that all the miraculous things that we see in Acts chapter 2, this didn't come out of nowhere. And they, didn't, they weren't able to do this stuff because they tried really hard to do this stuff. They didn't do this stuff because they're like, all right, we got a game plan. This is how we're going to care for each other. This is how we're going to do. I'm not saying plans didn't come into place. But this was a result of something that had taken place earlier in Acts chapter 2. And that was the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Let's turn there. Acts 2 verse 1. This is when the day of Pentecost arrives arrived they that's that's all the believers like 120 of them that were following jesus they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind picture that and it filled the entire house where they were sitting imagine all of a sudden they were praying just like comes blowing through and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and they rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is an, a significant moment in the church when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the, upon the church. Now, um, there's a couple examples of this taking place throughout the book of Acts. And some people call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit. And... Um, it, it can really trip us up because we come from a lot of different backgrounds. We all got kind of bad, at least I do. I got a lot of baggage when it comes to the Holy Spirit and sometimes things of the Spirit. Um, but this is a significant moment of what's taking place is their hearts were already open to Jesus. They already believed that he was the Messiah. This group of people already had recognized their sin, already had recognized what Jesus had done for them. But Jesus had promised saying, guys, I, I want you to go out. Actually, turn there. Go down in verse 8 of chapter 1. This is what Jesus says of why they're going to need the Spirit. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying, you, you guys, don't just go out. You've been with me. You've seen me. You've heard me teach. You've been doing this stuff with me. But it is not enough to go off of, of that understanding. You need a supernatural power to do the things I'm asking you to do. You need the Holy Spirit to be a witness to me. 
Now, a lot of times, right, we summarize that like, that means signs and wonders. And yes, it means signs and wonders. That we would go forth demonstrating the power of God uh, to be a witness to who he is. But what the Lord reminded me this week is, it's not just the signs and wonders of healing the sick, casting out demons, speaking in tongues, and the like. That is uh, the power to be a witness. What Jesus says in John chapter 13, that you will know, they will know that you are my disciples by your, by your love. Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget that the love that God calls us to, selfless, sacrificial, stead, steady, um, consistent, pursuing love, that is not possible in the flesh. It is only possible by the Spirit of God giving us the power uh, to manifest the life of Christ within us. That is it. So, this love that we, God calls us to, this life that we're called to, to be as the church together, it's tempting to be like, yeah, all right, we can do this. Let's get after it. Let's get after it. And here what Jesus is saying to his disciples, like, no, no, no. You guys don't go out and do it. Don't just try harder. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God for the power to do what I've asked you to do. So what happens? Acts 2. Spirit bombs them. Speak in tongues, which that's oftentimes a sign. Sometimes it happens, right, when people are filled, baptized with the Spirit. And, um, but then, as a result of the Spirit moving in the church and the church being filled up with the Spirit, that's how you get to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Right? So I don't... Okay. My whole point isn't to get in there debate with you or convince you about, you know, filling the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit. I, I do think it is a, it's an, an important event in the life of the believer to invite the Spirit to come. Not that you don't have the Spirit. You have the Spirit if you are a disciple. You are a spirit if you're a child of God. It says that, you know, it's the spirit that convicts us of sin. It's the spirit that opens up our eyes to see Jesus for who he truly is. It, it is the spirit of God that testifies with our spirit that, that God is our father and that we can cry out, Abba, Father. We have the spirit of God if you are a follower of Jesus. But there's something that we're called to in the life of the believer is to continually be filled up with the spirit time and time and time again. Yeah. This same group of people that we see in Acts chapter 2, they get... Uh, blown up by the spirit filled with the spirit and they go out and start living this radical way for the gospel uh, they, they run into some problems two chapters later Acts chapter 4 turn there verse 29 alright this same crew they're out doing this stuff being a witness testifying loving each other and they, they run into some persecution and they run into persecution, and they come back together as believers, and this is their response to the difficulty uh, of what they're facing. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Alright, stop for a second. Again, this is the same group of people that received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. But it got difficult, so they came back together like, Oh Lord, we can't do this on our own. We need you to give us boldness. We need you to stretch out your hand for signs and wonders. We need you to stretch out your hand to perform the miracle of, of healing. And as they cry out to the Lord and recognize their need for Him, the Spirit fills them up afresh once again. 
and immediately they go and they preach the word of God with boldness. Now here's the thing I've never ever seen before in this chapter. I always think, oh yeah, they go out and they do more miracles, which is true. But again, remember, the Lord is opening my eyes to understand the miraculous isn't just healing the sick, casting out demons, and raising the dead. It's also living the life of what he calls us to as the church. Immediately following this, it says in the very next verse, 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. What? It's easy to read that, like, oh yeah, they were of one heart and one soul, because that's a depth of unity that I've never seen. One heart, they were one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Wowzers. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's possible for us to do long term. I mean, we could like fake it for a day or two and then we get pretty tired of it. I'm not going to draw attention to you on whoever's phone that was. Um, there's this, we use this term a lot, like um, spirit-filled, right? So a lot of times people say, hey, is Moran Park spirit-filled? This is a spirit-filled church. And I think we just mean all sorts of things. I mean all kinds of things to all kinds of people. Uh, good connotations, bad connotations. It typically, what it means is, uh, are you spirit-filled? I mean, like, are you yielding to the, to the Holy Spirit? Do you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Um, but it tends to be evaluated based on, like, how you listen to the Lord or gifts of the Spirit and that type of thing. And, and we're down with all that. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I, I recently heard someone uh, address that. And he said, yeah, I get asked this all the time. If this church is filled with Spirit, if this church is Spirit-filled, or that church is Spirit-filled. And this dude is like, you know, he's a pretty, pretty charismatic guy. And he goes, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. He says, I have never been in a spirit-filled church. Okay? So he went on to say, he said, yeah, when people are filled with the spirit, we see what takes place in the book of Acts. There's not a needy person among them. They walk in unbelievable unity. They sacrifice for one another. He's like, I've never been a part of that before. I was like, oh, dang, right? <laughs> but for me, it wasn't this... Um, yeah, it was, it was convicting, right? But it gave me such hope. Because there's this temptation, we start going through these things, we start looking at this list of what God calls us to and recognizing a lot of ways, honestly, that we're falling short. And we're not coming to Moran Park, we're not coming to you to say, look at how we're falling short, to try to heap more guilt on you, to heap more condemnation and more shame. We're not bringing these things up slowly, but deliberately to say, you guys got to get your act together and you got to try harder. And in fact, what the Lord's been doing to me is opening my eyes to see the, the, uh, the magnitude of what he's calling us to. The task at hand is the fact that it is not possible to do these things in our own flesh. We're not going to be able to strategize these things. We're not going to be able to try hard enough to do these things. We are not going to be able to change a culture of consumerism and, and break that and cause people to be able to step into their gifts on our own. 
We have conditioned you to sit idly by. I'm not blaming you. We've conditioned you to sit idly by and to change it to say, to make you, help you believe that you are empowered and you are equipped and you are called by the spirit of the living God. It's not going to be from some nice teaching on a Sunday, but by the spirit of God giving you revelation who he's called you to be and who he's called us to be as the church. This calling uh, of a culture where it's easy to escape when things get hard in relationships and friendships and marriage. To say, no, we are called to be devoted to one another even when it's hard, even when I've been offended, even when I've been wronged. I'm going to stay and I'm going to press in with one another. That is not possible on our own. It's not possible in the flesh. It's only possible by the spirit of the living God. I know you've had a lot of reactions this summer. If you're, you haven't been around this summer, like I said, we've just been spending a lot of time going through what the church is called to be. And as we've pointed out where we've fallen short, I hope you don't take that to be like, we're trying to be critical of anyone else. We're trying to look at ourselves. just think sometimes as we go through this in the book of Acts, we don't really understand that things are actually pretty broken. I don't think with a few small tweaks or trying a little bit harder that we can live into what God calls us to be as the church. But when we walk in the flesh, that can feel really helpless. But we understand the need for the spirit of God, it can make us filled with hope. This is what Paul says. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 9, this is the whole thing where Paul's talking about our, uh, his, his thorn in his flesh and his weakness. And he's like, I just want this to be done. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is Jesus saying this to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, to, for, you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He's saying it's when we acknowledge and recognize our weakness, then the spirit of Christ comes and rests upon us. If we are walking in our own ability, if we're walking in our own strategy, if we're walking in our own strength, if we're walking in our own gifts, there is no need for the spirit of God to move through us. This, this has been the hardest I would say months, then I'm going to say three months, I'd say a year. It's probably been the hardest two years of ministry in my life. It's not because God's not doing amazing things. He's doing amazing things. There's this real temptation as a pastor to, um, there's a real temptation as a pastor that, to live into the pressure that makes you think you have to have all the answers. Or at least there's a degree you could be like, I don't really know, but you kind of should know, right? I think the hardest part for this journey for me is the Lord is simply exposing we're not where we're supposed to be as a church. And I'm not just talking about Moran Park, I'm talking about the church in America. And, and there's, this, there's this expectation is well when you're leading a church you need to tell them clearly this is where we're going and these are the 10 steps of how we're going to get there and here's the humbling thing i don't know 
the Lord continues to reveal things are broken, revealing to the elders things aren't where they need to be. But God's not bringing up so that we walk in shame and condemnation. He's walking, he's opening our eyes to the extent of where we're falling short so that we'll stop relying on our own gifts, our own ability, our own strategies to get there. And we'll recognize our weakness and say, we want a mature church, we don't know how to get there. So that the Spirit of God will rest upon us and we will see the miraculous happen. Not just simply try to love each other more, but our hearts will be radically changed. So we're loving each other in ways where it's hard, where it's difficult, where it costs us something. In a way that the world doesn't go, oh, that's nice. But the world looks at us and goes, you've got to be kidding. That kind of love? Who loves that way? It would testify to the love of a Heavenly Father that He has for them as well. So I know sometimes this summer's been like, man, it's been kind of confusing. Like, are we doing house church? What are we doing this? I mean, house church is a part of it, but I don't know. We don't have the end game already lined up. The Lord is giving us one little single step at a time. And sometimes it's like a half a step. It's like, you know, just like that, right? I don't, I don't usually step like that, I don't think. <laughs> That's literally, in the spirit, like, that's how awkward it feels a lot of days, right? Whereas elders and staff and stuff, we just pray and we're like, this feels like the next step. Let's, let's take it in faith. But I will tell you this, the one thing that the Lord has made clear, as he's continued to shape where he's taking us as a church, shape the vehicles he wants us to use, shape what he's calling us into, the thing that he's made clear is, that he's calling us to recognize our weakness and how we're falling short. And this is not possible to do in the flesh. So that we would cry out to him that he'd fill us with his spirit. To empower us to do the things he's asked us to do. Listen, I want y'all all raising the dead. That's awesome. Go heal the sick. Go do those things. But I also want you, us all to get to a place where we love sacrificially. Where we're willing to sell our stuff so that no one in our midst has need. Because that's just as miraculous as seeing the dead get raised. Sorry, I'm just, um, I'm praying and thinking. Sometimes I just have a thought that comes to mind. I just don't know how to say it really well. Lord, do I, I, I just need help, Jesus. <laughs> All right. What do you, yeah, help. In this season that the Lord has us in, I think oftentimes as a church we, we run a really nice, neat, and clean system. And that, listen, I'm not trying to dog that, right? But any hint of where things get messy or clunky, it's like, whoa, what, what is this? 
but I want to invite you on the journey with us. We're already starting to see it as the Spirit is birthing things in you. And the Spirit is giving you idea, the Spirit is giving you vision, the Spirit is giving you steps to obedience to live into what it means to be the church together. I just want to say continue that work. It's super awkward. I know it. But I believe it's in our awkwardness and in our um, clumsiness that we're going to continue to have to rely on the spirit of the living God, not some incredible system that's going to cause us to live this way. So my invitation is to show grace to one another, but even our ability to show grace to one another is not going to become not going to be coming from ourselves, but coming from the spirit of the living God. And here's what we want to do this morning. In a minute, I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to sing. But we also want to give you an opportunity to come and be prayed for that you'd be filled with the Spirit. Okay, maybe you've done this before, maybe you haven't, but again, in Acts 4, they'd, they'd already had this and they prayed again that they'd be filled with the Spirit. Some of you are exhausted and you're weary trying to be a good Christian because you're doing it in your own strength. Some of you are really trying hard to love the people you, 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 you know you should love, but are really hard to love. And you're trying to do it on your own and simply admitting, I cannot do this on my own. This is a miracle. I need the spirit of the living God to be able to do this. Some of you know, you know the Lord's calling you to love where it's really costly to give up things or to, to give sacrificially to someone. And it's like, oh, but I love this stuff. I don't want to get rid of it. That's only going to be a move of the spirit in your heart to be able to release you of the things that you're holding tightly to. And if you're like me, we love to follow the Lord until it becomes uncomfortable or not convenient anymore. Some of us this morning, we simply need to acknowledge our... Uh, making comfort an idol, and we need to repent of it and say, God, I need to get rid of this. I need you to just fill me up with your spirit. Some of you college kids, you're just like super pumped. You just, I'm going to get after it this semester. I'm going to really go for it. Praise the Lord for that heart. But I tell you what, you start walking in your own ability, your own energy, your own effort, your own self-will. In three weeks, you're going to be burned out. The power of the Spirit of the living God is not one that runs out. And so you recognize, I cannot do this on my own. You cry out to Him to fill you with the Spirit. That power will go on, right, forever and ever. So I don't know what it is that the Lord's working out in you this morning, but we want to give you an invitation. There's going to be prayer teams up here, over here, just around, balcony. Um, my encouragement to you is that you would... The Spirit is moving in you to um, come forward, just be prayed for, to be filled with the Spirit, so that we as a church can live the way God calls us to live. Um, I'm going to invite you to do so. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite the band to come forward. And the prayer team, you can come forward too, please. Oh, God, I hate, I hate admitting weakness. But I, I know, God, it's because I like to be thought well of and looked well upon. But I thank you, God, that, uh, man, it's not about us looking good or us being comfortable, but it's about you, God, being made, made uh, thought well of, that you, God, are the one that's to look good. So I thank you, God, that in our weakness, that uh, you look awesome. 
God, I, I thank you for this incredible picture of what you call us to as the church, God. And, and God, I thank you for continuing to open our eyes of the impossible nature of this on our own. That we can't try hard enough. We, don't, we, just, we, just, we just cannot do this, God. But I thank you, God, that you're not expecting us to do these things on our own, God. That you've given us your Holy Spirit, God. So I pray, God, that you would, uh, as we, as we uh, pray for one another to be filled with your Spirit, God, that you would minister to us in this place, God. That you would equip us and empower us, God, to do the, even the simple things of following you, God. And that you would equip us with the big things and the, and the supernatural things of following you, God. God, I know for some of my brothers and sisters here, before they can be filled up with your spirit, they need to get rid of some of the junk that's there. For those that are holding on things, God, that you've asked them to release, God, I pray that you give them the grace to release those things. For those that are holding on to control, God, would you give them the grace to relinquish that control so they can be filled with your spirit who will take control. For those that are still holding on to a, a sin that they love, God, that you would re, that would just become disgusting to them and they would relinquish that to you and turn from it and turn towards you. For those that have disqualified themselves, though, from receiving, uh, just to be filled with your spirit, for those that have disqualified themselves, God, I pray, God, that they would uh, be reminded they are not qualified by their own works and efforts, but they're qualified by Jesus who walked perfectly and walked in complete righteousness. Jesus' name.